Welcome back, everyone, after a bit of a hiatus. Ah, it's good to be back. <laughs> and, and, you know, to welcome everybody back, we just have the most amazing bullshit ever to come out of the internet. Probably not the most amazing bullshit, but it's top ten, at least. Yeah. For the week. For the week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. It's. Yeah. Basically, the um, Libertarian Party of, you know, one of those places in New England, I want to say it was the Massachusetts one, decided to slug it out for with the Texas Libertarian Party. Um, Specifically, they decided to refight the Civil War on opposite <laughs> sides. Yeah, it's just like you can you can hear the slave envy in like the Massachusetts posts. It's like it was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, I- I'm just gonna read them off really quick. Okay. Libertarian Party of Texas. The Confederates were evil actual. Massachusetts Missy's Caucus. Wait until LP Texas learns about the Unionists. Libertarian Party of Texas. Which side wanted to own people because of the color of their skin? Massachusetts Missy's Caucus. How many violations of the Constitution were the Northern states willing to commit to stop such a practice? Were the lives of the slaves real material different after their freedom? Was anything real accomplished except for loss of life and centralization of a state? <laughs> Jesus! Oh, and it gets better. Mm-hmm. Massachusetts Missy's Caucus. Our position has been taken wild out of context by our political enemies. Let us clarify that we in no way want to enslave anybody. Especially not the ruthless cosmopolitans in LP Massachusetts. They don't even work very hard at the job they have. Yeah. So, uh... No obscure points about how Reconstruction failed or something, which is where I thought they might be going, because, you know, these people can chase themselves into really weird, pedantic bullshit. But no, it's just, you know, straight-up Nazi shit. Rootless cosmopolitans. It it is worth pointing out the... Mises caucus of the Libertarian Party are basically Nazis. Yes. Have admitted to it many times and openly flirted with white nationalists. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that they're going like, yes, this is who we are. Yeah. (laughs) Hans Hermann Hopp and all of those fucks. Yeah. I mean, there were libertarians, and then there were libertarians. <laughs> and Remember that Murray Rothbard did 
like <laughs> say, well, there was nothing actually wrong with Pinochet. Yes. And openly defended that guy. And I think at one point even like defended like selling children into slavery. Um, as long as it was consensual. I'm not sure how you get consent out of that, but Jesus. <sighs> Libertarians. Yeah. It it's just there's something special about watching them like be like, hey, I like what your side has better on this debate. <laughs> oh wait, it's the Civil War. <laughs> oh, God. Let's do it all over again. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. <sighs> Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. You read this shit so you don't have to. <sighs> I am Doc Spider. And I'm Miss Silver. Um, we have a Patreon, um, which we haven't kept up with, I know. But we do have it. It's great. You should check it out. It pays our server bills, which is very important. And hopefully will help pay for other things, like the long fantasized and hopefully will happen before everything completely implodes fear and loathing on wall street special Mm -hmm. where at least one of the hosts will most likely be consuming a dangerous amount of hallucinogenic substances while the others babysit them on the floor of wall street we haven't quite figured out how we're going to get onto the trading floor yet but you know it's a work in progress that that's one of the things that you can look forward to. <laughs> so, shall we get on with the news? <sighs> yep, which gets us to the really fun thing in the news. <sighs> They they fucking did it. On Labor Day, no less. Mm-hmm. For those who aren't familiar, federal unemployment benefits have officially ceased as of Labor Day 2021, which would be six days before, uh, like, before time of release, give or take, almost a week. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. And basically, you know, we literally just had a special about the evictions, the eviction moratorium collapsing, and it's just, Jesus fuck. Like, what are these people doing? Like, the eviction moratorium at the very least there's like the small excuse called a bunch of like absolute chuds called the Supreme Court did it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they'd been hinting at it, but still they actually went and fucking did it. So please remember that, by the way, um, that when the Supreme Court mattered, it was to kick you out of your house. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, that at least they kind of quickly scrambled and went, oh shit, and arguably people who were at risk of eviction could potentially make it, but 
or at least last long enough for the courts to go right um this is a bit of a fuck up but we're still keeping you in your house this is a bit more of a hey guess what that money that you probably were using to do things like pay rent is not going to be deposited this week yeah or if you were still getting state aid you've just been told oh yeah we cut your check um you know fuck you (laughs) yeah by a lot oh yeah probably and there's definitely been things like like the new york times was reporting something like eight hundred thousand new yorkers are pretty much because there's also the extended unemployment which is a thing during economic emergencies that the feds have always picked up the tab on that that's being completely cut off and that has meant that new yorkers are now something like 800,000 residents of the state are just completely losing their unemployment. In California, the governor has outright said, yeah, as things currently stand with the way the state budget is, we do not have the money to make up this slack. I mean, there's a whole other rant for why that's the case, but that's the facts on the ground. In states that theoretically have the resources to cushion the blow a bit. Yeah. Like, the thing of it was, was, like, Biden or, you know, one of his flunkies was like, oh, well, you know, the states can use some of the unused money that's still floating around in the coffers to do it, but we're not going to provide that direct funding anymore. And it's like, you know, you know, like in that New York Times article, the the new governor said, like, we can't do that. We cannot backstop this. We don't have the money. Full stop. Yeah. And they're not wrong when they say that, unfortunately. Like, the whole thing of the financing of subnational government in the U.S. is its own fugly shit show, but <laughs> what how this matters to you, the listener, is... If you are not somebody who's already gonna be thoroughly turbo-fucked by losing a large chunk of your income, then uh, you're going to get at least partially fucked by this loss of other people's income and stability and means to not get turbo-fucked by the second great depression yeah which it's like the thing of it is is and we've been kicking this around for a while is like i'm just gonna say it again like the whole notion that like the economy was gonna recover you know depended on like all else being equal everything holds as it is And then, you know, if we play our cards right and there's no more further supply uh, chain constraints, no new ones, then we'll reach equilibrium sometime in 2024, 2025. There will finally be a basis for the sort of growth that the U.S. economy expects. And 
it's like with moves like this, or, you know, rather Congress's inaction. Um. <laughs> this is just, well, and that, that kind of gets to something that's been bugging me is that I, this really feels like the Biden people are just completely asleep at the wheel. Yeah. Like, I don't think this is malice on their part. Uh, it's definitely really fucking stupid that this slipped by just like the they had to renew the cdc eviction moratorium after it started was like whoops <laughs> someone lost track of that um shit let's fix that um yeah whoopsie daisy like that this feels like the smartest people in the room are not paying attention to the basic bread and butter shit that actually matters to the ordinary voting public. Yeah, and it's like, you know, the moderates, like Manchin and such, are all like, you know, we need to roll this back at some point. Labor Day is a perfect time to do that because the economy will have recovered, and that's why we're not even going to discuss trying to refloat this project. Which, one, they're wrong. This economy, as for anyone listening to this show can tell you, is kind of a bit of a shit show. Yeah. So anyone who's pretending that this is just going to bounce it back is full of shit. Two, there is no actual evidence that slashing unemployment leads to increases in hiring, especially not under these conditions that are completely unprecedented. Um in fact, given the, how vulnerable and unsteady this economy is, I'd say that cutting unemployment now in this moment and time is going to have a significant negative impact on an economy that's already going to be reeling from whatever the hell is going to be coming down the pike from Delta, already is coming down for the pike from Delta, and from the supply chain shit, and from mass evictions coming down the road. So, yeah. I mean, part of their whole... <laughs> yeah. Their whole, you know, objection to, like, extending this was, well, you know, we've got vaccines now. We have this in the bag. You know, the... It will be over. We will be reopened by July. You remember that? When we were supposed to be, like, vaccinated Jul and reopened by July 4th? Yeah. That didn't happen. <laughs> we missed the target for one, and fucking Delta showed up. So, like, that calculus is completely out the window. But, you know, this is not a party that governs, so. Yeah. So that's... Yeah. <laughs> that is the great prognosis that's rolling down the pike for the economy. And this is going to, because of the place the American economy has in the global system that it dominates, this will have significant negative repercussions on the rest of the global system. Because mm -hmm. Americans getting cut off at the knees is going to mean shit goes to hell. Because mm -hmm. 
nobody because the u.s is the great consumer the great issuer of debt and the great consumer and for either of those things to sputter out is disastrous yeah based on how this whole shit show is set up oh boy like i don't know what to tell y'all i'm sorry the economy is gonna be broken like that's that's what we're staring down normal's not coming back and speaking of which We've got a couple of doozies for ya. Yeah, we are apparently in crisis mode on on quite a few states. Like, what that means is, you know, hospitals haven't, like, you know, completely shut down, but... If you need care that isn't COVID and isn't strictly an immediate life-threatening emergency, you're kind of fucked. You might be a fucked even if it is an emergency. Yep. And you're definitely going to be turbo-fucked now. Like, this is what the situation was that was facing India... Mm-hmm. And now it's happening in Idaho. It's happening in multiple other low vaccination rate, high fuck your mask states. I'm not wanting to get into this whole culture war shit, but you know, we have said this several times on the show that you will be drawing lines between different parts of the country with mass graves. Yeah. And like so far, it's been. Idaho, but well, and there's hospitals across the country that are starting to reach this as well. Like Idaho is where they're completely like, oh shit, oh shit. But there's a lot of yeah. other hospitals throughout the country that are either cutting back services or are going like, shit, what the hell do we do with this? We're just going to have to start like, like we're not quite at the level of last summer where ambulances in los angeles were literally like doing triage on the spot when they showed up to pick up people and we're going you know what if you're not gonna like if we don't think you're gonna make it to the hospital then too bad so sad we're just gonna leave you to die in your house because there's no beds for you because of covid yeah like we're not quite there nationwide but we are there in a lot of places like, I've talked before about, you know, the problem with a 100% bed utilization scenario, or over 100%, isn't that, you know, that persists for, like, a day or two. Like, if that sticks around for, like, you know, a couple weeks, a month, you know, a few weeks, like, that, that is fatal to the healthcare system. And that's the, that's the point that Idaho has reached. Um, I don't know what the utilization numbers look like in other states, but I suspect that a lot of places. Oh yeah. They're definitely not good. Like 
any, a lot of the places are like at a hundred percent already. Like, I don't know how close they are to, you know, that sort of breakdown, but they're fairly close. That sort of, that sort of load can't be sustained. Yeah. So that's sort of also kind of sets the framework for a big item that came rolling down. Cause on one hand we're having worse conditions facing the American healthcare system than they, than we're seeing this time last year, Yeah, which was leading to lockdowns and emergency measures and all kinds of other stuff. Um, I mean, how we're staring and, down a new variant. Yeah, like we really should be going back to that again, guys. Yeah. If nothing else, because regardless of your opinions about people getting vaccinated or not, lots of people dropping dead is just sort of generally bad, morally and socially. Yeah. Doesn't matter if they're like taking fucking horse paste. Oh boy! So I mean, you, you probably shouldn't be taking horse paste for COVID, but yeah, don't don't fucking do that. Yeah, we're not gonna do a Jimmy Dore on this show. Like, but let the <laughs> let the horses have the horse paste. It's not for you. Yeah, and you know there, you really should be getting vaccinated, but you know. Even if we're, like, just from a basic human compassion standpoint, there is something a bit fucked up about this tendency in shit-lib circles to go, well, they have it coming, let them die. Oh, yeah. It's... It's a whole fucking mess. Yeah. But that kind of sets the framework for news as of time of recording that... Joe Biden is now going to be enforcing through the CDC a vaccine mandate. Yeah. Specific. All employers of at least 100 people or more. Yep. And also the federal government, though theirs is stricter. The, the mandate for private sector employees is you either submit to like getting the vaccine or weekly tested, you know, get the swab jammed up your nose for like 50 out of 52 weeks of the year. The, um, the feds are not doing that. You will be vaccinated. You, uh, I'm not sure if they have, like, you know, any medical exceptions, but, and there are some, but at this point, it's like, fucking finally. Yeah. (laughs) What else is there to say? Fucking finally. (laughs) I'm working in food service, waiting tables. I definitely felt better when the city of San Francisco said, hey, if you're working in a place of public accommodation, you have to be vaccinated and anybody who wants to eat in your restaurant has to present proof of vaccination. I definitely feel better about now, hey, the vast majority of people 
because of their workplace have to be vaccinated. Yeah. I mean, that makes, I feel safer. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) And like, there are some like, you know, downsides to this. For one, they're not covering the USPS, which is one of the largest public sector employers. Um, I don't know why. Um, I'm sure there, I'm sure there's a reason. It's probably some pedantic bullshit. Um, but it basically comes down to there is no vaccine mandate for postal service employees. Yet, that could change. Um, we also don't know if the rule as written is going to cover independent contractors, which is kind of the other thing. Like, I don't, I don't know what the legality is on that. Um, the Department of Labor has to write it and, you know, things get really fucky when you start messing with 1099s. But overall, this is, it's a good first step. You know? Yeah. It's a good start. Yeah. I mean, this is clearly what we've been up to so far is not working. This just might. And like it. (laughs) There is the whole culture war aspect to it, which there's other podcasts that are better equipped to hash that out. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Robert Evans Chan um, <laughs> and his whole crew. Hint, hint. I'm sure you guys are going to be doing something about this by the time this goes to air. But, you know, there's def- that doesn't mean this is going to be smooth or seamless, but it's definitely a better idea than what these guys have been doing so far so you know we'll see how it plays out but economically speaking this also is kind of capital has spoken and capital is spoken in the direction of you know what we want people spending money again and feeling safe to spend their money in public yeah and it's like frankly if that's if that's what it takes I mean, one of the problems with, like, access so far is, like, convincing your employer that, yeah, you do need to get vaccinated. And you you may just need, like, more than one day off for that. And maybe you shouldn't have to burn vacation or sick day PTO on that. This, this is a forcing function. That could uh, that could make it a lot easier to actually get vaccinated if, like, the holdup has been I cannot take time off work to you know get uh, get the shot and then feel terrible for a couple of days. I mean, some people don't, but it's like I did. I I would not have been up to working for a few days afterwards. (laughs) So it's like, you know, now that they force the employer's hand, hopefully that will make sure that, you know, employers will stop fucking with their employees on this. (sighs) 
God damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. For something more uplifting, because this segment always tends to be that. Ayatsi, also known as the techies that make your concert venues and movies and television and all those things run, are preparing for what may possibly be their first ever industry-wide strike. As of time of recording, they haven't yet gone and done it. The deadline, I believe, is you know, late September to get the new contract in, but they're pretty far apart. And it doesn't sound like negotiations are going that well. And this would specifically be hitting film and television. Mm -hmm. This is, we're talking, this is a union that represents something like 150,000 workers across the United States of America. And this is over, you know, a lot of different concerns of like, how are these operations making their money? How is this whole thing around hybrid release, which you've probably heard about with Scarlett Johansson going head to head with the House of Mouse over her contract regarding the Black Widow movie and its release. Mm hmm that's one of those things that's in play. Although IATSE is not the actors union, that's SAG and SAG has definitely more resources for just going, Hey, we're dragging your ass into court over this. Instead, the IATSE doing it the good old fashioned union way of, we're not sure how this is impacting the way that our workers are getting paid, except it looks like it's going to be bad. So we're going to gear up to fight it out. Yeah. And, <clears throat> It'll probably have less splashback in that. Well, you might remember, like, the writer's strike. And, you know, obviously, they should have done it. They should have struck. Um, not going to say they should have. But, you know, it did, like, have some effect on, like, shows that were running at the time. And arguably led to the reality TV boom. Ah, God Oops. damn it. Because <laughs> some dumbass with an MBA went, well, we don't have to pay writers if all we do is just put a camera in the room and get people <laughs> shit-faced and see what happens. Yeah. Man, that... Those were some bleak, bleak times. That's what got us the apprentice. But yeah, this is a bit different because you can't do a reality TV bullshit around the people holding the cameras and the lights and everything else. Yeah, this is like, oh, your your favorite show is gonna like trail off for seven episodes because the writers are not working you know what happened to breaking bad this is you know production's just gonna fucking stop full stop which is which makes for better tv honestly 
<laughs> I mean, that's that's the power they have. They can just like shut down production, and it's not like Hollywood, you know, can really afford to do that right now because of the whole pandemic thing. Like that whole shit show in. Remember, like, remember the, you know, first several months after, you know, shit started going down in March, where, you know, projects just completely fucking stalled out. There was, you know, content just, like, dried the fuck up. Like, Hollywood is still kind of mad about that. Oh, yeah. They're never gonna make back their money at this rate if um you know they don't meet those demands but they don't want to meet those demands (laughs) yeah let them suck it up they've got money they've got resources they can actually afford to provide and this isn't just about things like those residuals it's also things like you know if you've not and talked to anyone who works on like film and television crew they work absolutely grueling hours oh yeah my part like, my partner used to be in that industry, and she's straight up compared it to being in the army. It's, you show up when you're told to show up, and it doesn't matter if you're there for, like, 16 hours until it's dark 30, that's what you fucking do. And that's part of what they're striking of, is they're like, hi, we actually want to, like, do this thing called see our friends and families at some point this quarter. Yeah. I mean, they don't want to be death marched. I think that's entirely fair. Yeah, and these are conditions that have been prevailing in the industry for a while, so it's good to see that there's pushback happening on this, and not going to say that this is going to lead to that. Mm-hmm. I just want to put this out in the air, because <laughs> we seem to have our hands in the loom of fate entirely too often on this show, but now is the time to use our powers for good. <laughs> and just going to say... Historically speaking, when general strikes happen, they usually start as solidarity strikes with existing industrial actions. Yeah. Well, there's a whole thing we could get into about, you know, all these weird attempts to, like, manufacture one from whole cloth. And no, that's not how it works. Sympathy strikes are how it's done. You have to get that Katamari ball rolling. Like, we really should actually probably do just, like, a special on General Strikes. Because that could just be all kinds of fun. Oh, yeah. I I really need to brush up. Because not a lot of people know about this. I mean, hell, I'm more a bit ignorant on this. But it's like, yeah. It's a really important strategy. It's just, it's not something you can invent from whole cloth. No. But this might just do it. Or at least could get the ball rolling. Yeah. And speaking of balls rolling. So we've got a pretty big one in. And this is, again, one of those things that's like it has not come to pass yet, but it is a thing that is coming to pass. We did have some shit about crypto, but you know what? The fucking crypto weenies can go get their jollies off or 
flog themselves over the SEC somewhere else. This is more important than that. The California legislature, as of time of recording, has officially passed AB 1177, also known as the California Public Banking Option Act. What this would do is, assuming, and there's loopholes and provisos because this is what legislation and reformism looks like, so, you know, for the electorally minded out there, by the way, if you are into electioneering, you should be looking at things like the unemployment and eviction things and going, neat, I'm going to go shank an establishment Democrat in the primaries this spring. But leaving that rant aside, and the provisos and bullshit in this, the California Public Banking Option Act would empower the state treasurer to create zero fee, no overdraft, no minimum balance, no cost, basic bank accounts for people who normally don't have access to those financial services in the state of California. Yeah. You might have heard of, like, the check system's death sentence, um, where a certain banking verification um, system that verifies whether or not you can basically have a checking account, they can basically decide that, no, you don't get one, and it's... not impossible to fix your record with them. It's just extremely difficult. And quite frankly, California has gotten sick of their shit. And I mean, they, uh, they, uh, lest you think, you know, I'm bringing up something unrelated. They talk about this in like the preamble of the bill. Like they don't use the, the term explicitly, but. This is this is why they're doing this. And they do come pretty claws and teeth out in the preamble, too. They are saying things like, including that it would be a program established by the state for the purpose of protecting consumers who lack access to traditional banking services from predatory, discriminatory, and costly alternatives, mm-hmm. you know, like payday lenders, Wall Street, and everybody else in between, basically anyone who's not a credit union, really. Or like a local bank that knows their bread and butter depends on keeping their local customers being able to buy stuff and pay their mortgages. Yeah. Like, this is... This is definitely a different thing than Mm -hmm. what you see with, like, the Bank of North Dakota, which is a state bank in the sense of the state of North Dakota puts all their assets in the state bank, uses that to extend credit and bonds and stuff, and that is definitely a thing that is worth doing and pursuing. Uh, part of that is, as a result, the state of North Dakota has not had like a deficit since like 1912 or something when they set up the public bank, because they could harness the money printer for good, or at least for less evil purposes. <laughs> This is a different thing. This is instead the state of California going, you know what? We're going to give people checking and savings accounts so they don't have to go to the loan sharks who call themselves payday lenders. Yeah. Or actual loan sharks. Like, 
the whole thing with uh, it's never I mean I, I remember having to deal with a lot of this bullshit and I found that it was easier and cheaper to just like use a prepaid card to cash everything at Walmart because like the banks will not talk to you if you don't have an address. They just will not. Um, I've tried. And that, you know, that makes it like, you know, it's already hard enough as it is to be homeless and such. It's exponentially more difficult if, like, you're trying to work and you can't you can't get your paycheck or you can only get it by like talking to these check cashing places and, you know, being in hawk to like, yeah, predatory lenders and other fun bullshit. Oh yeah. Like it's estimated in like 2018, for example, Mm -hmm. the cost of what they refer to in the bill as alternative financial services, which is basically payday lenders and other legal forms of loan sharking was somewhere in the neighborhood of 189 billion dollars for all americans just in 2018 alone and then there's the bullshit that's overdraft fees which is a thing that's been really well documented as generating like hundreds of billions of dollars for finance just based on instead of going you did not have enough money in that in your account for that transaction therefore we're going to do a transaction declined instead they said we're going to push it through and charge you 30 bucks for the privilege Uh, plus the negative balance that you now have to pay off oh yeah like it is really infuriating to deal with and yeah it's just like the way i personally solved it was I had a fintech account for Simple, where basically with those, they don't really let the banks, the bank, the underlying bank doesn't really allow the company to issue that kind of account. It's, it has to be an over, uh, it has to be overdraft free, no checks, that kind of thing. Um, which can be limiting, but it does work, and it does keep you from having to pay nearly $40 for a transaction decline. <laughs> it's just really fucked. And, yeah. I mean, this is huge. This is fucking huge. They finally went and did it. <laughs> it's... This is, according to the bill, I I don't have the numbers on hand, so I'm going to take the California state legislature at their word on this. Mm-hmm. I don't see why they'd lie about it. That something like one in four California households is either doesn't have a conventional bank account or their bank account is shite. So they're having to depend on this bullshit. So this is not like a little thing that's like, okay, a handful of people who can be means tested their way in. I mean, there probably will be means testing because fucking shit libs, but this is a pretty significant step in the direction of taking capital out of the control of the private sector. It's not anywhere near as big as needs to happen. There doesn't seem to be anything in the bill that says, 
oh, hi, we're the state of California. We now get to use these things that are sitting in the bank accounts that we're holding as leverage for making money printer go burr and telling Wall Street to go fuck itself. But, you know, it's a significant (laughs) step forward in the direction of them going, yeah, public money printer go burr. Wall Street, go fuck yourself. Yeah, and there's, like, several protections um, against the most common ways that, like, other capital would, you know, attempt to block this by, like, you know, if you're, if you have a cow account, for example, you know, your employer does have to pay into it. If that's what you put down, your landlord has to take money from that account. If that's, you know, who you do the transaction through, like, that's, that's pretty big. Like, they, they fought through a lot of the issues with, like, alternative, you know, alternative finance products that, you know, us poors have to suffer with. <laughs> like, this one's actually pretty comprehensive and would definitely help a large number of people while also laying a bit of precedent for a bit more going let's carve out more public control over the economy Hmm. which i'm okay with (laughs) i'm down with this hell yeah i'm personally of the opinion that the vast majority of finance really should just be burned to the ground and the only institutions that should be allowed to exist are municipal banks and credit unions and hedge funds are only good for fuel for fires but that's just my opinion and fallout where banks don't exist because it's a post-apocalyptic nuclear hellscape mm-hmm. but you know <laughs> Yeah, it's... I, I I wouldn't be surprised if the economy would do better without all that shit. Oh yeah, it's all bullshit money anyway. <laughs> I only just like written a fucking thesis on the topic. Uh, so, shall we move on? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, there may have been a little bit of a wetness that you may have been feeling uh-huh. recently in New Orleans and New York. Yep. There's... Uh, I just saw some of the aerial maps and I'm like, okay... There's no way that isn't worse on the ground. He's like, you know, I I grew up in Florida. You, you saw that shit all the time. It's never... It's never a good thing for a hurricane to just fucking roll through. And, well... Ida really did a number on the Gulf Coast. And then it came to New York City. 
And when we're saying came to New York City, we're saying a fragment of a hurricane that was Category 4 on the Gulf Coast just sort of broke off and flew across a whole goddamn continent to flood New York City. Yeah. Eleven New Yorkers were drowned. Um, and, like, this is this is pretty fucking worrying, to be honest. Um, like, in New Orleans and places like that, you know, there was at least some awareness that, like, you know, you need internal and external flood controls. It's just, you know, the government doesn't want to pay for them. Um, in New York, well, you know, they tried. There's seawalls and such, and there will be more of those. But the problem is, is that's not the problem. Um, with Hurricane Sandy, a lot of the damage was done by storm surge. Um, you know, water coming in from the ocean into tunnels, into basements, you know, just, you know, coming in from the outside, the rain was a small part of it. Here, it was pretty much the exact opposite. Um, there wasn't much storm surge activity because the storm was pretty weak by then. You know, no real rotation or anything. Um, by that point, it was just a huge fuck-off rainstorm. But it turns out that's more than enough to, yeah, drown New York City. Yeah. So this is when climate scientists talk about extreme weather, this is what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's this not, is the kind of shit. Yeah, it's not all just heat waves and shit. It's, you know, torrential rains that you know, flood cities and most, even most coastal cities, a lot of the flood control structures are strictly external. They're for preventing water from the ocean or from the local river from coming through. And here that's, you probably saw like that, the flooding in that Pennsylvania um, it was a highway. I want to say it was mm -hmm. yeah. They had this huge fuck off highway system that was you know um, below grade, and it flooded. <laughs> it turned into a fucking canal. Um, nobody got Whoops. hurt, uh, as I understand it, but. You know, when your city is a design like that, you know, that's kind of a problem. <laughs> yeah. So that's just, you know, it's a preview of coming attractions of sorts. And, you know, Biden did hop over and do a whole thing about we need to be doing something about this now while paying no mind that he has been signing like over a hundred new fracking permits since coming into office. Never mind, you know, the umpteen million problems with that, Joe. Yeah. Joe. Hey, Joe. You know, maybe pay attention to that. 
please, maybe. Yeah. yeah. This whole thing of the right hand should know what the left hand's doing, Joe. Please. I mean, look, Washington, D.C. isn't immune. It's built on a fucking swamp. It is literally built on a fucking swamp. It will drown if you subject it to a long enough rainstorm. Hell, get, like, the state of Delaware and the umpteen million mailboxes based out of there with a serious enough storm surge, and there it goes half of corporate America, Joe. Yeah. Just saying. (laughs) Like, I know that, like, you know, everyone envisioned, oh, we're just going to put in some seawalls and New York will be fine. Uh, Pennsylvania will be fine. Boston will be fine. All of these places with, you know, absolutely no internal flood control, they're going to be just fine because, you know, all of that shit comes in from the ocean. And... No, that's not how it's going to work. In fact, like, storm searches and such are probably not going to be the major threat. You know, aside from the eternal high tide, that is obviously a problem. But the bigger problem is, you know, you get one good rainstorm and, you know, half the basements flood. Like, that's not... That's not a way to run a city. I'm sorry. No. That's just not sustainable. And that's more of what we're going to see. Because, you know, Joe Manchin is getting his fucking pants in a twist over some Heritage Society bullshit. I'm sorry. His latest bribes. I don't know. Whatever the fuck it is that gets him hard. Because clearly it's not, you know, the fact that every time inflation basket, (laughs) every time inflation falls by one basis point, he gets that much harder. (sighs) And it's it's yeah, the economy doesn't work like that, Mansion. I'm sorry, it It doesn't. It hasn't worked like that, Mansion. It hasn't for a long fucking time, buddy boy. I know that your fucking owners want it to work that way, but because that means they get to fuck the poor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. And speaking of other examples of the economy not working the way it's supposed to. It almost happened again. Our gnome comrades nearly threw a gigantic wrench in the machinery of global supply chain. Oh, wait. No, that's the wrong card. Okay, here it is. A another container ship briefly ran aground in the Suez Canal, though not as long as the Ever Given, which sources are still waiting to confirm if the case of the ever given was indeed because of the speculated gnome uprising 
by those poor garden dwelling creatures who just had enough and wrecked the thing or because of massive amounts of overwork of maritime labor since the fucking 80s i'm still pulling for the gnomes but Mm -hmm. i got a soft spot for that yeah i mean it, it didn't it probably didn't help that like egypt has been like renting their dredgers until recently whoops yeah (laughs) so yeah um a ship ran aground briefly um it's important to note that like this happens all the time um there's no positive control in the uh, in the canal system and it's not it's not a simple one either like it has to be dredged a lot it's long no positive control like there is a lot of work involved in moving a ship from point a to point b inside the suez canal and you know sometimes somebody accidentally parks one in the wrong place and that's what happened here yeah it just so happens that if you park it in the wrong place this isn't like if you park your car in the wrong place and now you've got a fucking parking ticket to deal with this is more like you parked it in the wrong place and now the global economy is having an infarction and uh, starting to check its blood pressure and staring at the dow in fear that this might send everything tumbling off a cliff yeah and like totally stable economy here (laughs) Nothing wrong with an economic system that has minor conniptions every time somebody parks a boat the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, this shit happens a lot. You just typically don't hear about it. It's mostly with the Ever Given, it was, you know, the canal section in question hadn't been dredged for a while. In fact, dredging had been scheduled for the next day um there was a sandstorm at the same time and you know all of these you know confluence of factors added up and stuffed you know two-thirds of the ship in the canal bed and you know Contrary to popular belief, it's not that easy to get a ship unstuck. I mean, it's, you know, it's not terribly difficult if, you know, you just got, like, one end parked the wrong way. It's a lot more involved when, like, when somebody ends up multi-track drifting. Yeah, as you do <laughs> when your name is the Ever Given and a bunch of garden gnomes have seized the bridge. Yep. And so, yeah, like I said, this is... You you may have heard about this story already, but it's like... Yeah, mo- uh, mostly people noticed it because, oh, the Ever Given happened. It's like... This is business usual but you know wall street will have a panic attack over like anything 
and this is just you know our usual reminder of hey the supply chains that make the material basis of this economy go are really fuck you fragile yeah and they're under a lot of strain and that gets us to our last word yeah our last word so yeah i guess it's sort of is at this point if we just did a special on evictions we had to start this one with the cruelest labor day shit that we've seen since this holiday was created to distract everybody from the actual labor day yeah may 1st (laughs) so what's this all mean well yeah we put out a special on this called shit's fucked uh-huh. I mean, sure, we didn't call it that, but <sighs> I mean, it's it was just so fucking bleak, and yeah. it's this is the material collapse thesis in action. accelerating. Yeah, yeah. This is they are taking credit and consumer spending out of the economy when there really doesn't seem to be anything waiting in the wings to fill that void. Yeah. Like, nothing at all. Like, the Republicans think, oh, well, you know, things are going to be fine because now, you know, the moochers are going to have to work again. And, like, no, I'm sorry, that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Like... You know, we can't even consistently keep schools open across the nation. Um, Hospitals are closing up sections because they can't afford to keep up with COVID. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to get already a couple million people thrown out in the street just because of the Supreme Court without talking about, oh, now a whole lot of people will not have the money to pay their bills. Yeah. Or at the very least, they, you know, slip that much further off. You you don't have to be some Jed Bartlett with an alleged PhD in economics spouting off bullshit about the GDP to know that this is bad. Yes. Actually, you probably shouldn't be a Jed Bartlett because I'm 120% certain that if you tried to explain this kind of basic, hey, this shit's bad for the economy thing to Aaron Sorkin, he would nope the fuck out of the room before you could finish getting the words out of your mouth. Yeah, pretty much. Oh my god. And it's like, I kind of get the impression that... On some level, the reason Biden world isn't taking this seriously is they think of this more as like, you know, the long part of the long tragedy of COVID. Like, you know, everything's going to be fine. Uh, We're just going to have to take a few lumps. Um, You know, 
we're going to have to, like, maybe implement some more drastic measures. Like we just talked about the whole, you know, uh, vaccine mandate that they finally, quasi-vaccine mandate, they finally rammed through. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not enough. Like, that's not the issue. That's not the fucking issue. The issue is the material basis of this neoliberal shit show is coming apart. Yeah. And that means, as precarious as that has been for huge numbers of people, a lot of people are about to go from semi precarious or totally precarious to completely oh fuck oh fuck the hell am i gonna do to feed myself and my kids precarity like you know (sighs) this is this is what we're staring down and like yeah i i really do think they view this as more of a tragedy a unfortunate you know an unfortunate part of the narrative and or or like some kind of puzzle to be solved we just have to find the right combination to hit the cheat code in the secret laws of the market that will make everything work and it's like no, that's that's not how it works. You know. The supply chain is someone else's warehouse. The cloud really is just, you know, someone else's computer. <laughs> I mean, <sighs> we should be glad at least that, you know, we haven't reached the point with the supply chain crumbling that, well... That orders are being outright cancelled. Not, you know, that that hasn't happened already. I mean more across the board. Like, you're not just on allocation anymore. You're in the land of, we cannot fulfill our order book. You're fucked. Yeah. We we can't even give you your deposit back. Like, but it's the this la- the loss of cash flow we're gonna see the increasing precarity is probably gonna get us pretty close to that and yeah. Biden world doesn't quite seem to have their eye on the ball. Yeah, no two ways about it. Like, I don't think they're at the level of where the Republican Party is of fuck it, march them into the killing fields and let them die, but I don't think they'd necessarily mind that outcome. It's just that they really have other things on their mind. Uh-huh. Like getting the new Hamilton tickets or something. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, what we're running into here is... <sighs> This is up to us now. This is mutual aid, dual power, all that good shit. Like is our only way out. They're they're not gonna solve it. They don't 
they don't even have the tools, the mindset, and you know, the, or even if they, or even where they do have the tools, they refuse to fucking use them. That's the mindset. Yeah. They could have day one. Joe Biden could have forgiven student debt, invoked the War Production Act to tell Pfizer and Moderna and everybody else with facilities in the United States that you are producing vaccines at cost and they are being distributed as needed on a global basis and you can suck my presidential cock. Yeah, you know. And we probably wouldn't be dealing with a Delta crisis (laughs) and we certainly would be in better economic conditions. Yeah, yeah. Just those two things. Like, you know, having Joe Biden you know, take, uh, take out his contacts or whatever and drive Joe Manchin around in the new Ford F-150 Lightning just being like, hey, did you know that, like, I can just declare an American citizen and enemy combatant? And, uh, oh, I mean, if we wreck, you know, they're going to pull me out before they pull you out. <laughs> you know, things things like that. Put the fear in or, God. In him. Exactly. Like there's, but they're not doing it. They're not willing to do it for whatever stupid bollocks reason. So it's up to us. Mm-hmm. So from all of us at Chop Shop, reading this shit, so you don't have to. Good luck, everybody. Bye, everyone. <laughs>